morning. Greet him this morning. Well, what a great start to our day, amen? amen? A chance to sing of the worthiness of our Savior, the one who gave his life so that we could be here. What an, what an awesome thing to come together to do that. We need to be reminded every day, don't we? Because every day we are tempted to forget. Every day we are distracted by the world and it's easy to get off site. So what an encouragement. And whoever started clapping during that song, praise you. Thank you for that. That was awesome. I've tried to get us to clap, and I'm like, forget it. Sometimes it's not worth it. But whoever did that, praise the Lord. Thank you for that. That was great. You guys showed up today because uh, he's worthy. We should show up every day because he is always worthy. Let me invite you to open your Bibles to Matthew chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5. Well, as a Christian, I think it's obvious to all of us that there is evil everywhere, isn't there? No matter where you look, I mean, there's evil all over the place. Uh, how many of you have, have driven the toll road to Chicago before? You ever notice the signs that you pass by? These invitations to, hey, come and take part in this sin. These gentlemen's clubs. Whoever called them gentlemen's clubs in the first place? That's not what I understand a gentleman to be like. A couple weeks ago, we just remembered the 20th anniversary of 9-11. How many of you remember that day like it was yesterday? I mean, what evil makes these men take over, hijack these planes and crash them into building, causing the death of thousands of people? And who knows how many lives were just completely destroyed without the hope of Christ and their lives just spun out of control because their loved ones were taken out with no reason at all. And turn on the news and it seems like the only thing that you hear about on the news is something negative. Do you ever just wonder, like, like that's the media's goal? Like, do you ever just think, I, th I think all the media cares about is stirring people up against one another. You ever feel that way? Turn on your Facebook post and it's just all this combative stuff going back and forth. So much evil in the world. Now be honest with you, how many of you have just daydreamed about going somewhere west? Maybe, maybe in the tropicals, finding a, a secluded island and just like getting away from the world. <laughs> have you ever been in the mountains where there's like no cell phone range and you're just like, ah. <sighs> No negative calls today. I, I've, I've daydreamed that. I've been to Wyoming a couple times. Beautiful place. I've daydreamed about finding lots of land by the mountains, plopping myself right in the middle and just enjoying my family. No signals, no Facebook, no media to, to distract me from what's going on. But you know what? That is not how God has called us to live, is it? He has not called us to separate ourselves from the evil. You would think that's what would be best for us. You would think we just need to pull ourselves away, right? Like get away from the evil so that you can follow after the Lord. We, sometimes 
idolize the, the lives of monks who just separate themselves from society. But God has not called us to do that. He has not called us to separate ourselves from the world. Here's what we're going to talk about today. The church is called to go. The church goes. We've been entrusted with the good news of Jesus Christ, and we are called to go. What does the Great Commission say? Go and make disciples of all people. Not, hey, hang out in your churches, feel good, have good relationships, talk about the Bible, and then go home and stay away from the evil. No, we come together to be encouraged by the word of God in order to go out. You probably noticed above the signs going out the door, you are entering the mission field. God calls us to go, and that's exactly what Matthew 5, 13 through 16 says. So let's look at that right now together. And let me invite you to stand with me. And the reason we stand, I don't think there's anything magical with standing. I think there's just a, like, when we open up the word of God There is something amazing that happens. These are the very words of God breathed out to us. And so we're not going to stand every week, but I like the idea of understanding, like, this is amazing truth that we're about to read from God the Father to us. Matthew 5, starting in verse 13. 13. You are the salt of the earth. But if salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works And give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word that you've given us. Thank you for the reminder this morning that we are the salt of the earth. We are the light of the world. And you have called us not to stay comfortable and safe in our homes, but to go out into the world that desperately needs to hear the good news. And it's hard, Lord. There's death out there. There's rejection out there. There's suffering. There's separation. There's turmoil. But, Lord, you called us to go, and in the going, you go with us. So, Lord, would you spur us on this morning? Lord, maybe we have lived and sought after that comfortable life, and we've refrained ourselves from being in the world. God, move us to share the good news with those around us. We need you this morning. Thank you that you are surely with us. We're two or more gathered in your name, you're with us. And that is our hope. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Now these verses are part of the most popular sermon in the Bible. What's this sermon called? The Sermon on the Mount. And of course it's given by Jesus in these early portions of Matthew. And this is just absolutely loaded With truth, and maybe one day eventually it will actually either go through the book of Matthew or at least take part to go through the Sermon on the Mount. And I want you to look through, like before our passage that we read, you see what we call the Beatitudes. And and these are 
descriptions really of a person who is following after Jesus. Like these are attributes of a person, a healthy person in the Lord. And a healthy person in the Lord is blessed, right? A healthy person in the Lord experiences joy. I think you could say happy. When we are pursuing the Lord, there's a sense of happiness that comes with that. Just look at some of these descriptions that describe a healthy follower of Jesus Christ. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are those who mourn. Blessed are, are the meek. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Blessed are the merciful, the pure in heart, the peacemakers. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Now, are these qualities that the world values? Does the world say, hey, humble yourself? Or does the world say, get what you want, do whatever you got to do to get to the top, make as much money as you possibly can, take out whoever gets in your way? That's more like what the world is like. But what this is saying is we are different. As believers in Christ, we are different. And then it gets into these descriptions that we are the salt of the earth. We are the light of the world. Notice it doesn't say, Jesus isn't saying, hey, you guys need to be the salt. Hey, you need to be the light. No, what he's saying is, man, if these things are true of you, if you are truly my disciple, my spirit lives within you and you are salt. You are the light of the world. And what we see here as we break down this passage, there, there are three reasons why the church goes. Three reasons why we go. Here's the first thing. The church goes to be the salt of the earth. The church goes to be the salt of the earth. Look at verse 13 again. You are the salt of the earth. But if salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. The church goes to be the salt of the earth. We are. It's a fact. It's not a command to go be the salt. It's a fact. We are the salt of the earth. Now, salt is one of the most significant substances in history. In fact, in ancient Egypt, it was a symbol of luxury. People were even paid with salt for works performed or goods provided. Salt has been called white gold. And salt still plays a vital role in our part today, in our lives today, doesn't it? Many, many, multiple different reasons that salt is used for that is helpful for us to understand what it means that we are salt of the earth. Here's one. Salt is a purifier. How many of you have a water softener at home? Uh, the last house that we owned, we did not have a, a purifier. We did not have that. And so every time we wash the dishes, you know the white crud that's kind of stuck around the dishes that you, can, you just can't get rid of. You can't get rid of it. I was like, what is going on here? And so finally, I don't know if it was a year or two after uh, we lived there, we're like, we got to call somebody. And so we called, of course, the Culligan man. And he came out. And got us a water purifier. And within a couple days, all of a sudden we're pulling the dishes out. I'm like, that white foam is gone. And when we look at that from, this, from the retrospect, from the perspective of a believer in Christ, we are purifiers in the world. We are called to go out and help people see, look, there's a purer way to live. We're dirty. 
We're disgusting. We need something to come, someone to come and purify us and cleanse us. We are water purifiers in our world today. People need to understand we don't get it right, which is an offensive message. We fall short, but that's the greatest news we can hear, isn't it? Some of the greatest news I've ever received in my life is just to say, Ben, you can't do it. You're not worthy. You are sinful. And then all of a sudden when you realize that, but you realize that Jesus was our sacrifice so that we could be made pure, all of a sudden that bad news is no longer bad. It becomes this amazing news that God would rescue us. We are called to be purifiers in the world. I believe that so often people act the way they do is because that's the way everyone else behaves. And I think even as Christians, we can find ourselves in that position, especially I remember in high school. Like, you don't want to stand out too much because kids can be cruel, can't they? Like, kids can be absolute. I mean, adults can too, but kids can just be outright mean. And if we don't exactly fit in or we have a different opinion or we go against the flow, we can be mocked and it can ruin, it, it has ruined kids' lives. Because they have tried to stand up differently. And so often we just go with the flow. And look at how seemingly most disagreements go in the world. So going with the flow, when you disagree with something, what does the world do? Oh, it's game on. Somebody's going down and it ain't going to be me. And we, so we have these crazy fights on Facebook and on TV and like the presidential elections, which are pathetic anymore, aren't they? Can we just all acknowledge that? Both sides, everybody? Like, it's just like, it's like a bunch of junior high kids going after one another. And like, didn't the world used to be different? <laughs> like, what happened to the respectful conversations? But you know what? The one side's doing it, and the only way I could fight that is if I fight back with the same fight. But I don't see that anywhere in Scripture, do you? Listen to what Ephesians 4.15 says. Rather, speaking the truth. Is that all it says? Speak the truth? No, there's a way that we give the truth, isn't there? We speak the truth in love. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head into Christ. We never sacrifice the truth, do we? We never sacrifice the truth. But we cannot sacrifice love either. We are the salt of the earth. We are purifiers. Another thing salt is good for, and this ties right in, is for seasoning. I mean, what's the difference between a bad burger and a good burger? Sometimes it's a little bit of salt. Like, you ever taste, like, there is no taste to this. And you add a little salt, and all of a sudden, like, oh, my goodness, this is amazing. Or, you know, we've been to Ruth's Chris. Somebody blessed us one time with a gift card there, and we went there, and I'm like, oh, this is what steak is supposed to taste like. I, like, and then you, like, there's no ketchup. You don't, like, go to Ruth's Chris and use ketchup to eat steak. That ruins it. The steak is just fine. It's been seasoned perfectly. As Christians, we are called to have that kind of impact in the world. You know, the older I grow as a follower of Jesus, the closer I get to him, the more sense the Christian life just makes, doesn't it? It just makes sense. Like before, we are blinded and we can't see, but the more we grow into Christ, the more we read his promises, the more we see how we are called to live, the more it just makes sense, doesn't it? Life just goes so much better when we are pursuing the ways of the Lord. 
And we are called to help the world to see that. Listen to what Colossians 4, 6 says. Let your speech always be gracious. How often should our speech be gracious? Always. Well, you don't know how they talk to me. I didn't write this. I'm not the authority of, of script. Scripture is the authority, right? Let your speech always, if you're an underliner in your Bible, I don't always like to do that, but if you like to do that, underline the word always. Always be gracious. Let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how you ought to answer each person. Now, when it comes to that, we're supposed to have a positive impression on people's life, but there are some of us who, like a kid, like to unscrew the salt shakers at restaurants so that the next person who grabs it pours it and all the salt goes over. That's not what this is talking about. <laughs> but sometimes we like to do that, right? Oh, truth, truth, truth. I'm a truth person. God's about the truth, and so they're going to hear the truth. We can't neglect scriptures like this. Let your speech always be gracious. Always. Seasoned with salt. The perfect seasoning. We must be careful. But we lose another perspective of salt in translation because we have refrigerators and we have freezers. But they had to use salt in order to preserve like foods, to preserve meat. Salt is a preservative. Salt slows down the decay of food so that it lasts longer. They're able to do that. That's exactly what we are called to do as Christians. We are to preserve the truth. We are to come along people who are decaying. Do you realize that? There are people out in the world who are on their way to hell. They are on their way to decay. And we are called to come along, preserve, and offer them salt. Hey, listen. This is going to make your life so much better. Jesus is so much better than all the things in the world that you are pursuing after. People all around us are headed to hell. We have been given the good news of Jesus Christ. We have tasted and seen that the Lord is good. And the world needs to see that. Church, you are the salt of the earth. Are you living as though this is true? Is your speech seasoned with salt? Is your speech gracious? Is it used to stir up others towards loving good deeds? Or is it used to tear down? Are you looking to preserve? Is your heart broken for the decay that we see in the human souls around us who are suffering? And their suffering is going to be far greater if they don't repent and turn to their sin. We have the truth. We are the salt of the earth. We don't have a choice here. This is what we are called to do. The church goes to be the salt of the earth. Look at verse 14. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. Why does the church go? The church goes to be the light of the world. 
the church goes to be the light of the world. We are like a city on a hill. What, what is true about a city on a hill? You can't hide it. It's right there for everyone to see. Have you ever driven somewhere and all of a sudden you see up on this hill the city? There's just no way to hide it. This isn't Wakanda from Avengers where all of a sudden you, you arrive and there's, there's, this, there's this city. No, we are a city on a hill. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. This isn't like your kids. You ever, you ever tell your kids, like, guys, like they do something stupid and you're like, we can't be doing that stuff. We can't be doing that stuff. That's not what it's saying here. This is not about you shouldn't be doing something. Hey, city, you shouldn't hide yourself. Church, you shouldn't hide yourself. No, what this is saying is, church, it's impossible. It is impossible for you to hide yourself from the world. You look different. Have you ever, like, uh, talked with somebody you don't know, you've met somebody new, and you walk out of that thinking, that person has to be a believer. This is what it's talking about. We are the light. We're not called to be the light. We are the light. We are the light for the world to speak, to see. And you don't take a lamp and hide it under a basket, do you? Hide it under a bushel. No! We should have sang that, Zach. Why didn't we sing that? We don't hide it under a basket. What, do you, what happens to the light when you hide it under the basket? It's no longer good. And if it's a lamp that you've lit, worse things can happen. You could burn the whole house down. Rather, what, you, what do you do? You grab a stand, and you set it on the stand, and what does it do? It lights up the whole room. It lights up the whole house. And here are, here are two things that light does that correlates with us as believers in Christ. Two things. that You could probably think of many more, but these are kind of the two main things. First of all, it reveals the truth. Light reveals the truth. What I, here's what I mean by that. When you turn on the lights in a dark room, all of a sudden everything that is really there you can see clearly. So it reveals what is true. I remember um, walking down the mountains in Wyoming, and it was the strangest thing I've ever experienced. So like up in the, I mean, it's just amazing. You're up at the cliffs and all the, the light there is, there's stars, there's moons, there's no other lights anywhere. It's amazing. But once you start walking down through all the trees, all the light is hidden. And we had a flashlight, but we, we shined the light on this tree. And I kid you not, we both screamed like little schoolgirls. <laughs> and the reflection of the light on the tree looked like a wolf. And we both thought it was true. But we were able to dispel and see the truth because we realized, oh, that was just a tree. That wasn't a wolf, praise the Lord. We're still alive. But the, the light reveals the truth. And isn't that what we are called to as believers? We are called to reveal what is true. And isn't the word truth like so out of place today? Like there's, everybody has their own truth. You ever hear that? Like, oh, you have your truth, I have mine. No, you don't. I don't have a truth. You don't have a truth. God has the truth. God is the truth. And we are called to reveal that his word is true. Not, again, Seasons with salt, gracious, right? Not to beat people up to try to win an argument. We want them to see, here's the light. And like, like I said, the more you get into this book, the more true it is. And the more it's so hard to unsee this. I, I just can't do life differently now. I, 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 can't, I can't go back to my old ways because this just makes so much sense. We are the light. Here's another thing that light does. 
light dispels the darkness. The darkness then is exposed. Not only does it show us what's true and what's real, but it also dispels the darkness. It takes the secret things that are hidden and it exposes them. Anybody afraid of the dark as a kid? You know, you go to bed at night and you're like, my kids are always like, can you please turn the bathroom light on? I have one child that turns on the hallway light on, the bathroom light on, and our bedroom light on. Can you open the door a little bit too so they can see the light? And, and what do you do if you're afraid of monsters? I, what I would do is I would turn the lights on, get a flashlight, shine it under the bed. Okay, no monsters under there. We're good. Go into the closet. Nope, we're good. No monsters there. That helps you dispel, okay, that darkness is no threat to me. What I thought was in the darkness is not really there. It's no longer there. Some of you are like, I'm afraid of the dark still as an adult. <laughs> but when we shine the light as believers, we are dispelling the darkness. We are saying, look, what you think is helpful for you, what you think brings life and joy to you is only killing you. When you are living for yourself, we talk to, this, we talk to our kids all the time. Like, when you live for God versus living for yourself, which is easier? Certainly it's easier first to choose yourself. But does life get easier the more we choose to live for ourselves? Life gets harder, doesn't it? Because who gets in the way? Everybody gets in the way if you're living for yourself. What happens when you're living for God? Is, is it hard to choose the ways of the Lord? Absolutely, it's hard at first to choose the way of the Lord because we are selfish, sinful people. We live for ourselves. Naturally, we're like me, me, me. What is one of the first words a kid says? No. <laughs> it's instilled in us at birth because we're all born separated from God. But the more we choose to follow after the Lord, the more we choose his ways, does life get easier or harder? Life gets so much easier. You know, I used to, like want this salvation story of like full of sin, drunk, into drugs, and God radically transformed me. But then I hear all these stories of those who have been saved from that lifestyle, and they're like, you don't want that. So much baggage from that. Like the more we follow the Lord, the better life gets for us. That's what we're called to do. We're called to shine that light. The way you're living, it's empty. I've tried it. It's empty. And here's an interesting thing about this analogy of we are the light. Do you know somebody else who said I am the light? John 8, 12, Jesus said this. I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness but will have the light of life. Christ dwells within us. Now we are the light. We are Christ visible to the world around us. Certainly there's a sense that we look at creation. I mean, I've seen, like, have you, did you see the clouds and the, the skylights at night the last week with the, all the clouds and the storms and the, the pink of the sun kind of shining through? Like there's this sense of like the, the, the earth, the, the sky displays the glory of God, Right? There's a sense that we can see God's glory, but it doesn't compare to the, to the lives of believers. We are a far greater light to the world than creation. It doesn't say creation, you are the light. It says, those who have made my people, you are the light. You are the light of Christ. I am dwelling within you. That's a sobering 
thought, isn't it? That we are a representation of Christ to the world. So, so let me ask you, when you woke up this morning, did you have this thinking, this understanding that I am the light of the world? As your kids are causing trouble and not doing what you've asked them to do, you've been reminding yourself you're the light of the world? When that person cuts you off in traffic, <laughs> are you reminding yourself, I am the light of the world? I am Jesus to those around me. When you go to school, do you realize you are the light of the world? At work, when things are chaotic and you can't stand your boss and you can't stand your coworkers and you're just getting abused, do you remember that you are the light of the world? We are called to be noticed in the world. We should stick out like a city on a hill. That's what this is saying. Let your presence be known by the way you live your life. Shine bright for Christ. And here is the truth. When we are following after God with all of our heart, we do stand out, don't we? We do stand out. There's a family in our church who recently lost a father. And the man was, who passed away, he was a husband, he was a father, he was a grandfather. And he went what, way too early in his 60s. But I've observed from afar, I've been able to interact with this family personally, and it has been super painful for, for them, and maybe even in a sense devastating. But here's the thing, even in their struggle and their wrestling of seeing dad go away so quickly, it came on so fast, within a month he was gone, that there is this hope that they have in Christ, that they realize that what this world has to offer is not everything. That we aren't called to build our kingdom here. We are waiting for a city that's to come, right? And there's even a joyfulness that his suffering is gone. It's over. Does that not shine bright to a world that can't deal with death? I mean, do you see all the people who are trying to look younger? They're like 65 years old and they're trying to look like they're 25. And guess what? It doesn't really look like it. Death is coming, but death is not the end. The death is beginning for us. There's a light that shines bright when we live that way. How about the family that's dealing with financial struggles but still clings to the Lord in the hardest of times, shining a bright light because their hope is not in money? How about the difficult conversations we have and the discussions about politics and many other things? But we do it in such a way where we speak the truth in love. Is that not a light in today's world? To disagree in a respectful way. It's lacking in church. We, we're the light. We are the light. Parents who, despite the trials of life, despite all the hard things they are dealing with as adults, they're still showing their kids that, look, guys, our hope is not in our circumstances. Our hope is in Christ. The world doesn't live this way, does it? We Church, we are the light. But we must understand something about all of this. This isn't about us, is it? This isn't about displaying our light, shining our lives in such a way where people look at us and say, man, you're awesome. We're not trying to gather a following after us. We're not trying to impress people with how amazing we are. 
We're not looking to make a name for ourselves by getting people to notice our good works. Look at verse 16. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that what? They may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Why does the church go? The church goes to bring glory to God. The church goes to bring glory to God. What is the point of being salt and light? What is our goal in it all? So that those who are around us may look at us and give glory to God for the good works that they see. We reflect the attention away from ourselves and back to the Lord. Let me explain it this way. We have two sources of light in the sky, don't we? Of course, we have the sun. We have the sun that right now is bright as could be this morning. What a beautiful display of God's glory. The, the sun gives the light to the day. And then at night, we have another source of light. What's that? The moon. But does the moon shine? Does the moon give off light? This might be a lesson for some of you. <laughs> the moon does not shine. The moon has no light to give. Rather, the light of the sun is shining on the moon and reflecting. The, the moon is just reflecting the light of the sun. That's exactly what we are called to be. We are called to be bright, but our brightness doesn't come from something within. We can't pull up our bootstraps and pull it out of us. It's not there. No one is righteous, not even one. We are reflections of a light that is coming from a different source. And so when we do good works, we are just called to reflect that light so the world sees us. And we get to say, guess what? It's not me. This is all the Lord's doing. I'm not saying that every time somebody says something that we have a little sermonette <laughs> that we give them. But when the opportunity is right, we have the opportunity to say, look, man, I just want you to know I am not all impress that impressive. Can we just all under recognize that right now? Maybe it's a newsflash to some of you, but guess what? None of you guys are that impressive. None of you are nailing it moment after moment. We might have some good days where we look back, well, that was a pretty good day. But no, none of us nail it day after day, do we? And here's the amazing thing, that even despite that, God still rescues us. Listen to what Ephesians 2, 8 through 10. I think this says it perfectly. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. We are saved not because we had this enlightenment, because we're smart and we figured it out in our head and we're logical and we just made sense of it all. We are saved by grace through faith, which they're both gifts from God. If you study that, it is the gift of God. The word it is plural. It's referring to grace and it's referring to faith. These are both gifts to us. God rescues us simply by grace and faith alone, not by works, so that no one may boast. So here's the thing. We're not saved by works. We're saved by grace. We're saved by receiving the Lord and what he's done for us. But here's the other thing. He doesn't stop there. For we are his workmanship. Whose workmanship? It's like a woodworker who makes the wood. Do we look at the wood and say, wood, you're amazing? <laughs> or do we not look at the craftsmanship, and the, the, the one who made it and say, what an amazing work you've done. We are Christ's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for what? For good works, which we prepared beforehand for us that we should walk in them. 
which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. So listen, how are we saved? Who saves us? God rescues us. Who lays out works for us that we should walk in them? God, do we lay them out? So if God has laid works for us out and we walk in them and people notice us and we understand that we're saved by grace, I'm only doing what the Lord has called me to do, who gets all the glory? God. We exist to reflect all the praise and glory back to our Father. We should be in the world doing good works. Now, I'm going to share the story. I I do not mean it to, like, lift myself up because, believe me, I had... I've had plenty of moments where it's selfish thinking, but we had ordered a computer from Best Buy, and it was supposed to come like a couple days later. A couple days later, hey, it's not here. So we called, when we needed it, like we had our kids who had to do schoolwork on it. And so I call, or Nikki calls Best Buy, we're like, hey, we haven't got our computer. They're like, I'm not sure what's happened. Okay, we'll send you another one. And so we finally get, a, we get the computer in, and then guess what else comes in? Uh, the other computer that was missing. Now, we could have easily decided, hey, you know what? We really could use two computers. We have five kids and one computer and five kids. That's the math. It doesn't really work well for us. We could really use that. You know what? They probably have insurance, and it was only a cheap computer. It wasn't like a $2,000 computer or anything. I think we can just be better off by keeping it. Certainly, I mean, there's those temptations, right? But here's the reality. I, I am the light of the world. I am the salt of the earth. And so, and I could have even called, maybe even thinking, hey, if I call, I'm able to just say, keep it. But I'm like, I'm the salt of the earth. I'm the light of the world. And so I took it to Best Buy. And, you know, there's like this thing in me. Maybe they were just like, hey, we've already taken count of that. We were getting insurance to cover it, so you just keep it. You know, there's that thought in there. But I'm like, you know what? This is my chance to let my light shine so that maybe God will be glorified through it. And so, I mean, how many people in the world would do that? How many of you would be completely justified in your own thinking to think, I got two computers out of this. This is their fault for not sending it. That's how we tend to act, isn't it? But instead, I took it back. They took it. I don't know if anything happened from that. I don't know if anybody cared. I don't know if anybody observed. But all I know is I'm called to be the salt of the light, the light of the world. Not for my own self. Not to bring me glory. I exist to glorify God. And if somebody sees that, like what would create somebody to do that? I can say, hey, listen, this is not in me from myself. This is not something I pulled up from in me. This is the way God has transformed me. We are the salt. We are the light. And that really begs two questions that you should ask yourself this week. First question is this. Am I doing good works? Am I doing good works? Is there any fruit in my life, any godly fruit? Is there evidence of God at work in my life? If there is nothing that we can point to where we can say, hey, I was salt in that situation. Again, not, this is not to, not to puff ourselves up, but just to acknowledge I seek God's grace in my life. Is there fruit? If not, you should ask yourselves a lot of questions. Number one, maybe your heart has just grown cold to the Lord. You're in this You're in this cold season. You just need your heart to be spurred into the Lord. You need to come back to him. Or maybe you need to ask yourselves, are you even a believer to begin with? What did Jesus say that they would know our Christians by? Our love. They will know you are Christians by your love. 
We don't earn God's favor by having good works, but because God has rescued us, the natural overflow of a heart that's been converted is good fruit. Here's a second thing, question to ask yourself. If there is fruit, am I looking to do those things for the glory of God? In the good deeds that I performed, if I look at to take the credit, am I looking to to get myself up in people's eyes, to puff myself up? Or am I doing this so that I have an opportunity to say, guess what? Man, I'm a wreck. If you only could see my life, you would not be that impressed. I want you to not be impressed with me. I want to be impressed with God. He's amazing. He changes you. He takes what's unnatural and makes it natural for you. Apart from Christ, I wouldn't be doing those things. Apart from Christ, no way would I take that computer back. Any fruit in my life is an opportunity to give glory to God. The church goes to bring glory to God. So in conclusion, let me remind you, we are the church. We're not a building. We don't go to church. We are the church. It's the people. And remember what we talked about three weeks ago. We were all once strangers and aliens to the ways of God, weren't we? All separated because of our sin. But by his mercy, he rescued us so that we can become citizens of God. That is reasons for the church to glorify. Amen. And God saves us individually in order to place us into a family, into a community. We're not called to do this life on our own. We're called to live it out in community. The church gathers. Why? I mean, because God has called us to. And how many of us are nailing it? Again, none of us are nailing it. We gather in order to stir up one another towards love and good deeds. We gather in order to encourage one another. And when we do that, when we meet with God's people, when we study his word, we grow. The church grows when we gather together, when we're glorifying the Father. And lastly, what we talked about tonight. God didn't save us so that we would circle the wagons. He calls us to go. We are the salt of the earth. We are the light of the world. There's no other salt. There's no other light. We are the light. Not a light. Not some kind of salt. We are the salt and the light for the world. And so we end this series the same way we began it with this quote from Charles Spurgeon. Give yourself to the church. You that are members of the church have not found it perfect. And I hope that you feel almost glad that you have not. If I had never joined a church till I had found one that was perfect, I would never have joined one at all. And the moment I did join it, if I had found one, I should have spoiled it. For it would not have been a perfect church after I had become a member of it. Still, imperfect as it is. It is the dearest place on earth to us. Let me invite you to stand as I pray. Father, thank you for rescuing us. Your mercy, Lord. Despite our many failures, despite the fact that our sins are many, your mercy is more. You have rescued us, not so that we can go home and feel good about that. You've rescued us so that we can go into a decaying world and be a preservative.
to be a purifier, to expose the darkness and to show the light to the truth. God, your ways are so much better. Oh, Lord, that, our, that we as a people would understand that, that we would not be burdened by Bible studies and having to pray and having to go to the church, but rather we'd be overjoyed that we get to see your word, that you've given us hope, that we can come to the Father with confidence. Lord, that we can gather together to encourage one another, to remind us of the grace of the gospel that has rescued us not by works. And Lord, even in the saving, even though we're still a mess, Lord, you have put good works for us at our feet that we may walk in them. And Lord, this is all a reminder for us that this is all for your glory. Lord, may we live our everyday life for the glory of God. Thank you for rescuing us. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's sing in response this morning. sing this again. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. His mercy is more. Stronger than darkness, new every morn. Our sins, they are many. His mercy is more. Sing that again. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. His mercy is more. Stronger than darkness. New every morn. Our sins they are many. His mercy is more, our sins they are many. His mercy is more, our sins they are many. His mercy is more. Well, as you know, we've been putting up action steps. So here's four things. If you guys want to sit down, in case you want to write these down, you can do that. We'll leave them up for a little bit. But here's just some things for you to be thinking about to put into practice what we've talked about. There's no point in coming and listening to preaching if we go home unchanged, unmoved, not doing anything. We are called to put it into action, right? Or the light or the salt. Here's things that will help you. Memorize Ephesians 2, 8 through 10. We read that. Let that saturate your mind, remind you you're saved by grace, not by works. And God has prepared good works in advance that you may walk in them. It's his doing. He's provided the works. He's provided the salvation so that you can carry out those works. He deserves all the glory. If God uses in big ways, guess what? It's not because you're awesome. It's because Jesus is awesome. Memorize Ephesians 2, 8 through 10. Uh, I encourage you to read the the Sermon on the Mount, John 5 through 7. Take some time. Meditate on, or Matt, I, I screwed up. That's my fault. Matthew 5 through 7. Not sure why I put John up there. That's my fault. Matthew 5 through 7. Uh, let your light shine. Look for opportunities for you to give glory by your good works. When the Spirit is like you're ready to go off because somebody's go off and going off on you at work, let your light shine. A soft answer turns away wrath, doesn't it? We need more of that. And then check your motives. Let your light shine, but don't do it so that you receive the glory. Let your light shine so that your Father in heaven may glorify you. Well, listen, so encouraging this morning. Love hearing you sing. 
Love the clapping. Keep that going. We don't clap just because we clap and that's fun to keep the band in check. (laughs) We clap because he's worthy, right? Like he is worthy. He is worthy of our worship. And so, so good to have you here. You guys have a great week. Love you guys.